In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Hello, and welcome back to Still Interested, our TV and film reboot and remake podcast for Curio. I am, as always, Ben McAllister. And I am Jackson Musick. Follow us on Twitter at SICurio Show. Just getting that out the way at the top. Yeah, well, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, uh, thank it's you. It's a short one this week. Yeah, it's, it's mostly just about promo. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That's it. Um, <laughs> what, what if we talked about this movie we just watched? Oh. Because, oh boy, did we just watch oh, a movie. we sure did. Let's talk about the cast, Jackson. Diane Weist, Sarah Jessica Parker. John Lithgow, the inimitable Kevin Bacon. Of course. John Laughlin. Yeah. He played Woody. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We're, of course, talking about the 1984 dance music extravaganza Footloose. Directed by Herbert Ross. Oh. Which is a real old school name. Yeah. Like, when I saw that, I was like, man, Herbert? Because, like, the problem is, like, some of the director's names we've been dealing with in recent, like... Marcus like, Nispel. Well, and, and then, fuck it, who was the dude that, um, fucking directed the Point Break remake? Though? It was something very close to Xander Cage. Serge <laughs> Hammerstorm or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, dude, it was Ericsson Core. Ericsson Core, yeah. <laughs> Ericsson you know what I mean? Core. We've been, like, watching yeah. a lot of these directors that have really... I mean, they, they, they're almost, like, name-adjacent titles yeah. they have. And then this dude's just like... I'm Herbert Ross. Yeah, wow. What Hello. a traditional name. Yeah. Yeah. And a traditional man, if the film was anything to go by. I mean, that's certainly true. But if, if anything, he's taking aim at traditionalism, you know, at a, at a right-wing kind of perspective on life. Yeah. I mean, but I, only pretty gently. I th- well, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. gently, in fact, he's kind of like, isn't it, like, kind of nice when, like, you can back up your, like, beliefs with the Bible? Like, yeah, that, that's like, true. There's, def- Look, there's definitely that sort of vibe. Right. Let's like, not get into real film podcast territory. Yeah. <laughs> let's instead start thumping this melon. I'm back on my old catchphrase, mostly just because the t-shirts... Well, you had to do it, didn't you? I yeah, mean, yeah. we ordered all those t-shirts, man. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah. I'm happy to dissect this frog. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, ooh, what that's, a callback. Uh, yeah. What a callback to our own show. Yeah. Okay, so here we are. Man, okay. <laughs> callback I, I, vortex. I think... <laughs> the nexus of infinite dimensions. <laughs> I think... Um, I think... In- <laughs> what was that? Was that again? Was that a a reference to a dream I once had? Right. Which, 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 uh, if I remember correctly, like the culmination of the dream was like you and I were like in like a train station that was like we were trying to get out of the train station and we couldn't get out. It was this very like twisty turny space. And then this guy came in who was like the, uh, the the train, I guess, comptroller. And and, and he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, and he was kind of like, you'll never escape. I've trapped you at the nexus of infinite dimensions. And you were just like, hey, thanks for trapping us in the nexus of infinite dimensions, you jerk. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is exactly what Jackson would say in that situation. Yeah, that's, that's true. It was, it was an odd dream, but here we are. I think this is where I want to start with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, right before we started watching the film, 
Because you'd never seen this movie before. No, I hadn't. I've seen this movie before, and yes, I've enjoyed have. this movie before, <laughs> and I enjoyed it this time. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we started watching the movie, you were like, man, how quickly does that Footloose song come in? Because I fucking hate that song. <laughs> and you went on to explain that the reason you hate it is because you've, you know, had to observe ch- children dance lessons to the tune of it. We're not going to go into that. Yeah, yeah. Jackson's a starving artist. He's done a number of things he's not proud of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and, and without pay, often. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, hey, let me tell you, exposure, it's all about that. <laughs> but anyway, Jackson's sitting there, he's like, man, how quickly does that song come in? Literally, I hit play on the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> because the opening credits of this movie... Dude, the mother of all foot fetish scenes. <laughs> I know! Oh, dude, I'm so glad you picked that up as well. The opening credits of this movie are the entire duration of the song Footloose. Like, it's not a sample of it. It's the entire song, front to back, all three minutes of it, whilst a bunch of feet, just feet, just dance feet. around on the screen. And, like, I think, like, in terms of looking at like, the social impact of this film, like, the other day, uh, we ended up talking about, like, about, about, like, kinks and fetishes and that, 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 <laughs> thing, that like, you know, that, yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and we ended up, like, like, sort of talking about, like, just, like, the prevalence of, like, foot fetishes. Yeah, and culture. how it's probably the most mainstream. Like, do you think it's because of this film? Like, do you think, like, 1984, this rolls around and, like, a bunch of teenage dudes onwards are just kind of like, well, this is it. I mean, look, Jacko, I can see where you're going with that. All I'm I saying don't is, think like, that's the case. Well, I just wonder if, like, you know, you see a, you see a pair of, like, high heel shoes walk past and you just, like, in your mind, you're like, oh, boo, boo, I do love that baseline, dude. It's extremely Listen, the baseline is good. It's just everything around it which really bothers you just, me. You just, you know, you're, you're at a wedding or you're yeah. at someone's twenty first, <laughs> and you just do a children's dance. It'll get you. Some of them looked like like really concerning in terms of like the motions these people making. I was like, you're gonna break your goddamn ankles. I thought the same thing. The one in the high heels is kind of like left, right, left, right, left, yeah, right, yeah. and just yeah. like you can see the ankles like snapping. Like. I don't know who these actors are, but they have some impeccably strong ankles. It was probably a cadaver, dude. 80s looks, dude. The the socks and sandals, oh, the, like the, the fucking, leg warmers, the leg shit. warmers, oh, yeah, dude. the the yeah. like sparkly boat shoes, the fucking. Oh. It was very Inaculate, good. Dude. We've talked a lot in uh, this podcast. Still interested? Uh, a, a TV and film reboot remake podcast. That's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, this one. Um, we, we've talked a lot about a pre-movie movie that explains the movie. I think this three-minute montage of feet dancing to Footloose qualifies as a pre-movie movie that explains the movie. This movie's all about rowdy teens dancing to Kenny Loggins, and yeah. we get it right out of the gate here. I think that's probably fair. We get a lot of sweeping shots of a 1980s rural US town. I literally, like, I, I uh, exclaimed aloud during mm-hmm. us watching it, like, it kind of looks like like the build-up to Camp Crystal Lake. Mm. Like, because we're, we're back in the 80s, back in another Kevin Bacon film, two yeah. in a row. Yeah, um, it's a Kevin Bacon twofer. Yeah, exactly. Two um, strips of bacon. But, like, yeah, all these establishing shots look at least reminiscent to some of the establishing shots we see in Friday the 13th. Yeah, dude. Um, it, it's true. It is inarguably. The, the Kevin Bacon is a master of rural 1980s USA acting. Well, he's the only person you could get, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and it's so like the- him and John Candy. Yeah, sure. So, the first thing we see in this movie, other than rural 1980s USA, is John Lithgow. 
hot fuck, dude. He's looking young. And he's sweaty. He's down. looking very sweaty. He's looking sweaty. And and he's a preacher. His mm-hmm. name's Reverend Shaw Moore. And Which, yep. come on. Yeah, that's fine. Like, at no point in the film is he called Shaw Moore. No, he's called Shaw a few times. Yeah, but that's and it. also Reverend Moore, I believe. Um, oh, really? I, th- I, I think okay. so. Someone called okay. Reverend Moore. But at no point is he referred to as Shaw Moore. Yeah, well. Because, like... Why would you? Because why would you name why a character that? that? In a fictional world where you have complete control of what the characters are called, why would you call one of them Shaw yeah. Moore? That's you know, a valuable question to ask, but okay. So. Uh, so, so he's in church. He's talking about how the Lord hates us because of rock and roll and, and kids having sex. Spiritual corruption. Yeah, he, he's giving some dogma about how, you know, th- this um, the rock and roll gospel of easy sexuality has gotten to the children. Now, potentially controversial pick here. The Rock and Roll Gospel of Easy Sexuality. Ooh, that's a title pitch for me. Yeah, I think so. Right out the gate. I, I like mean, that's that. strong. He's, he's there. <laughs> basically, the, the, the whole premise of this scene is it's a, it's a, they're in a church and, uh, Reverend Moore is being all like, eh, kids these days listening to rock music and all having sex and spiritual corruption. It's all very bad. Yeah. Um, we get our first look at Kevin Bacon. Just playing like Ren, rolling his eyes. Yeah, he's uh, bored. Your first, no, your first look at him. It's not even that he's bored, dude. He's listening to what this dude is saying and like shitting on his beloved rock and roll. And yeah. this guy's like not having a bar of it. Yeah, he's like <laughs> rock and roll. Pff, I mean, we all love rock and roll. Yeah. You can't tell us it's all about uh, kids having sex. Yeah, and... because I mean, I think ultimately he believes. It's about dance, man. Yeah. It's he, about the music. It's about the dancing. It's not about having sex, you know? It's true. So now there's a hymn they're singing, and a bunch of kids are asleep, and their parents are like, hey, wake up, we got to sing the hymn, and, you know, yeah. I don't know, man. You know church. Whatever. Yeah, did you ever go to church? Uh, I was raised Catholic, so I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I never went to, really, like, church with my family. I went, like, I went to a fucking Anglican private boys' school, so, right, like, every yeah, yeah. every Thursday was chapel. Yeah, we had some good hymns at, at, the, old, at the old chapel. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I believe uh, Lord of the Dance was my personal favourite, uh, which I think is oddly relevant in this movie. Now, okay, Ben. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, because as we were watching the film, you were like... Well, uh, yeah, we'll come back to why, but I did mention this. Okay, but no, you brought it up, you were like, it's funny because, like, um, I think there are, like, like, there's a bunch of shit in the Bible about, like... Dancing. About dancing and that sort yeah. of thing. And you're like, one of the hymns we used to sing was called... Lord of the Dance. Yeah, I know. And it's about Jesus being a Lord of the Dance. Yeah, dude. He's he's all like, dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the Dance, said he. And I'll lead you all wherever you may be. And I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. Look, he danced for the fishermen, for James and John. They danced with him and the dance went... (laughs) Jackson, I cannot, like, every week... Every Thursday, from, like, my entire, like, most of my primary school and my entire high school experience. Was this, experience. like, piano-backed, or was there, a, like, a, a, a dude, guitar going? Or? organ. Oh, dude, nice. A fucking whole <laughs> organ. So, uh, now we're outside church. We're learning that Ren has just moved here with his mum, and he's staying with his cousins. And Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Rusty, and a bunch of other girls run up, including John Lithgow's daughter, whose name is Ariel. Yeah. They're all kind of giggling, like, ooh, Ren, he's so attractive. Yeah, Can you these, believe it? These ladies love them some Kevin Bacon. Yeah, dude, which is a, a repeating element in this film. And in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> People just seem to really be into Kevin Bacon yeah. in the 80s. So Gracie, uh, our producer, Grace Chapel uh, of Odds and Ends and HW Laid fame, who uh, d- during the recording of Friday the 13th said, how was Kevin Bacon ever a sex symbol? I would say, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. So uh, now the girls are out in their car talking about their sex lives and one of the girls who has a baby 
and one of them says that they're going they're, with someone. They're talking about uh, this other girl that has a baby. There's not a baby yeah. physically in the. Car. No, 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 no. Because no. yeah. that'll complicate sure. the upcoming scene. That's true. That was um, <laughs> that was unclear to me. Yes, they're talking about their friend who's had a baby yeah. who might be coming back for graduation. One of them says she's going with this boy, which is like the most Ooh, '80s slang. Going steady. Yeah. yeah, not even going steady, dude. Going with yeah, is yeah. like we're hooking up, hanging out. Going steady yeah. is when you're dating. You know, uh, that's that. He's my main squeeze. Yeah, that would be ready? going steady, but just going with, you know, that's yeah. Andy slang for fooling around. Oh, tomfoolery. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this this truck rocks up, essentially. A truck um, full of Chuck. A, ch- uh, ex- <laughs> <laughs> a boy yeah. named Chuck in a big old truck. Yeah, that's, okay, well, dude who, this is the first time we've met him, admittedly, it's very early in the film. Yep. Um, but all these girls are just, like, sort of hollering at this truck, and then Ariel... Just like like this, some talk- this is insane. So there's some talking about like, oh, are they drag racing? And they kind of like swap positions and like overtake yeah, one another. It looks like they're gonna race. And they're kind of gonna race. And then Ariel just starts leaning out of the car. She throws her bag into <sighs> the truck. And then crosses between cars. They do this mid, tr- like drive. They do this insane, completely unnecessary, like mid-road car-to-car transfer at high speed while a truck is speeding at them from the other direction. An oncoming truck is coming towards them and Ariel is just standing up in between two cars, which must be hard to do. There are some... Just screaming aloud. There's a big oncoming truck. Uh, They're all like, get in the car, what are you doing? Get in the car. And the truck driver is just like honking his horn. It's like... Yeah, and here's something as well. Like, the very last second, like, Chuck grabs Ariel and, like, pulls her into the the car. Is that what happens or does she jump in? Either way, she ends up in truck's car. Yeah, and then they drive uh, off the road the and like, around this uh, around this uh, truck, and the truck just keeps on going. What is it in this small town about people not stopping? Yep. Like, why is this truck driver like, oh, car's coming towards me. Well, I, I, I got a schedule to keep. I got to keep yep. going. Like, I'm going to kill these kids, <laughs> but I... Uh, I I gotta I got be in Illinois in four hours. That like, is an incredible point, dude. I didn't even think about that. But, like, that. literally, like, it's kind of like, oh, my God, this girl's, like, between two cars and this truck driver's driving towards him. Just stop. Just stop the car. Like, what? Like, maybe they drive into you. You know what's better than that? Driving into a truck full of kids yeah, and dude. killing oh someone. Oh, my God. Because, like, the two cars that have um, Ariel standing on them can't stop. Because if one of them stops, then she'll She's die. She's dead. Right? But the truck can definitely, definitely stop. Definitely stop. But he and doesn't. Because, like, he's literally, like, he sees hundreds them of so meters away. away. Like, coming over the top of a hill, <laughs> he probably sees them before they see him. And, like, he's just, like, doesn't stop. And he's like, oh, get out of the way. Like, honking his horn. He uh, could just... Man, Stop! That is an amazing point. I did not even think about that. The important thing to take away from this scene is that Ariel is a real crazy broad because she apparently I mean, has no regard for her own life. I hate to get into the hot and early, dude. She's getting an MVP nom from me. Whoa, dude. right dude, here? For a fucking... Okay, listen. Yes, I think it's insane. But the balls to transition from one car to another as okay. there's somewhat drag racing? Look. I think that's fucking insane. Uh, so now we're back at the church and Ran is talking to uh, Reverend Shaw and some other sort of members of the community. And they're all like, hey, can you believe the English teacher wants to teach Slaughterhouse-Five? Yeah. You know that well-known text, Slaughterhouse-Five? We got to ban that book from our town. And Ren's like, Slaughterhouse-Five is a great book. And everyone's like... <gasps> The thing that I want to take away from this scene is that John Lithgow has the most withering pout I've ever seen on a human being. Yeah. We're at uh, Ren's family house. Yes. Yeah, so not his... So uh, His Ren, cousin's house. Uh, yeah. It Ren and his mom have moved in with his cousin, his, his uncle and aunt... 
What are they called? Wes and Lulu? I think so. Wes it's, and Lulu. It's somewhat unclear. A lot, of, a lot of Ren's family situation here is left, like, a, a little bit vague. But essentially, they've moved here. Um, Ren is very much an outsider, as, it, as the film is at pains to um, impress yep. upon us. Um, and yeah, they're living with, I guess, his cousins, essentially. Yeah, his cousins and his uncle and aunt. One of Ren's little cousins yeah. at the dinner table is like, I think Ren's a Fox. And yeah. it's just like, oh, that's challenging, isn't it? So Ariel, here she is. She's in the truck with Chuck. Her friends, Rusty and the gang, pull up in their other car. And they're all like, what are you doing? You're so crazy. And she's like, I am crazy, aren't I? And they go inside to get food. And she puts a tape into the fucking uh, tape yeah, player. Yeah, smuggled tape into a yeah. boombox. Yeah. yeah, and she starts to dance. I just want to get this out of the way right here, right now. Our first point of remakeability gotta be teens loving to dance oh dude of i mean like it, it's boring it's the premise you know of the it's film. gonna be the yeah. remake it's it, what the film's about it's what it's about right <laughs> teens they love to dance they all start dancing man okay at this point i this raises a question for me you know how there's that thing in like musical theater be it like stage or film like a whatever format of mm. musical theater where like the characters are singing and dancing and acting but like in, like, the, the reality of the story, they're not. Yes. You know? Like, they're, they're not really singing mm. at each other. They're just talking, and we as the audience are experiencing it through music and dance. Yeah. Where does this movie fall on that spectrum? Because, like, in this scene, she's, like, standing on the hood of a car at a drive-in, playing a tape on a boombox, and everyone within a 200-meter radius is going fucking ham dancing dude like the the girls in the bathroom of the drive-in like are doing their lipstick like bopping along to the song like teens all the way on the other side of the building are really fucking having a go at the song the chef in the kitchen dude oh, dude that dude was so, a hero so so this guy is flipping burgers he hears the song he's like yeah yeah and, like, slaps the bell, like, perfectly in time with the music, so emphatically, then flips a burger perfectly in time with the music. And, dude, for that alone, MVP. Did well you did. agree? Me okay, well. he was my first nomination. Yeah. This fucking chef, if you haven't seen this movie, dude, go watch the first drive-in scene to watch this guy just give it to this movie. The, this nameless actor we never see again, he's in the kitchen just grooving so hard to the music. Well, in answer to your question, dude, about like, the whole like, reality sort of thing... Yeah. The like, kayfabe, if you will. Yeah, the kayfabe. But I think the we find the answer when uh, uh, Reverend Shaw Moore comes and uh, catches his daughter uh, in the act of dancing mm-hmm. in the spiritual corruption. Turns it and off. Turns off the boombox and it goes silent. I think it's just a really fucking loud boombox, dude. Yeah, dude. I think it is a <laughs> an impossible <laughs> boombox that can be heard... Like, for, for miles, dude. Because this, this was my next thing. It turns off the boombox. It goes silent everywhere. Everyone. You could hear a pin drop a block away. Yeah, it's the boombox, dude. It's listen. It's a backwards town. Like spiritually, it's a backwards town. But, but also t- physically, yeah, physically, <laughs> physically backwards as well. Of course, sound travels four times as far as well, it normally would. I don't even think it's that, dude. I think it's their technology. I think I think they're spiritually backwards, but they're very high tech. Yeah, dude. They have those. They're on Bluetooth in the eighties. So like, when she started playing the boombox, it was getting pumped in through the drive-in speakers so like everyone inside was hearing the song and they were all just going for it oh that's that's... (laughs) 
Okay, so now, followed by the dance scene, we get the longest silence scene, dude. Like, it's it's so long. And it, it's literally, like, cuts between eight different groups of people, all just in dead silence. The girls in the bathroom, the guys in the kitchen, the other teens on the lot, Chuck in his truck, Ariel, fucking Reverend Moore, and they're all just staring. It's not clear at this point why Reverend Moore cares so much about dancing. It will become clear later, I suppose, but right mm. now we're kind of left to wonder, like, why he's so against it. Ren's getting dressed for his first day of school and he wants to wear a tie. And Ren's mum comes in and he's like, yeah, I think you should dress down for today. Otherwise, you're going to look like a crazy. And he's all like, what's wrong with the tie? And she's like, when you go off to college in September, then you can dress like David Bowie. Dude. <laughs> There's got to be a, like a title for Jude. Yeah. What I want to know is... What was David Bowie dressing like in 1984? Because I bet he wasn't just wearing a school shirt and a necktie. If I know David Bowie, That's true. I think it's a really crazy assumption of his mum to be like, you know, you know, he's wearing a necktie. Yeah. Like David Bowie wears a although, necktie. Although to be fair, like I think Kevin Bacon in 1984 kind of looks like David Bowie. Like, That's true. He does a little. Like bit. I saw it, and I was like, wow, yeah, he kind of does look like David Bowie. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust is 1972. So fucking, fucking, like, he's already on his weird shit, like, a long time before this movie. So we roll on to, like, being actually in the physical school. The girls are still going crazy. Like, he he rolls in in his little, like, Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, he's getting looks. Cranking the radio real loud. Everyone's like, huh, all right, new guy. All the girls are like, their hearts are fluttering. They're all like, oh. Yeah, he's kind of like rolling <laughs> through like the hallways of the school. People are like, like sanctioned to him. And this one guy bumps into him. Willard. Willard. This goofy ass cowboy looking motherfucker. And he's just kind of like instantly aggressive. Says a bunch of shit I can't remember essentially. And then like fucking Ren turns to him and like, he's like, nice hat. They sell men's clothes where you got that? Oh, dude, what a sick burn. Number one. And I think we'll see this again. Ren is very good at sick burns. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But number two, would you say sick burns are extremely remakeable? I think I would, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) That's that's our second point of remakeability. Yeah. Um, But I think, like, number two... This dude, Willard, just instantly falls for him. Like, yeah, dude. like very much friend love, but very much kind of like, this is the coolest guy I've ever met. Yeah, dude. I'm going to hang out with him forever. He's so on board, like, immediately. Like, the thing that is, is here is this idea that, like, you go to school and someone's like, hey, you're a loser, and then you just insult them really hard and they're like, you're all yeah, right. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> like, that, uh, yeah. that's not how it works, Roll right? the boys Like, now. you yeah. went to high school. That's that's just not how that works. So he has a nice little interaction with Ariel in the hallway where she walks past and he's like, hey, you're Ariel. And she's like, I sure am. And that's literally the entirety of their interaction. Yeah. Uh, but dude, a burgeoning teen romance? Highly remakeable. Thank you. So now we're at lunch. Yeah, and so Willard and Ren are sitting together. Ren's, like, running him through being a big city kid in a small town. From Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and Ren is just... Uh, and Willard is just, like, lapping it up. Yeah, All these is. cool stories. They're talking about, like, these dances that Ren used to go to back in Illinois. Yep. Uh, and all this cool stuff. Big underground circus. This underground circus, neon up the walls, and about how Millions was, of girls. He, and he was dancing with this one girl, Ginger, and she knew he wanted more than just dancing. Yeah. They went back to her car. She had these seats that reclined all the way back. All the and way then, back. <laughs> they, they literally, they get down to business, they start boning, and then she starts yelling... Uh. 
Here's a tunnel pitch for you. Uh, don't stop. Don't stop. Make ginger pop. Uh, and now I know you're thinking like that's uh, a pretty powerful thing I'm going to say. Troubling thing to say. But then six seconds later, Willow's like, "Oh, nice," and he's like. No, that didn't happen. I made that all up. Yeah, I like, know. It's one thing for him to lie about that. It's another thing for him to lie about it and then immediately own up to it for no reason. I guess he was just having some banter. But the thing that's more so. troubling, dude, is like the idea that that's something anyone would ever say. Like, the idea that they're going to be like, don't stop, don't stop, make me pop. You know, like you don't you, normally say that. You know, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, look, I, I've been. You know, we've all said some things. <laughs> <laughs> look, you don't try to write a narrative of your own name. I don't try to write a poem about it. <laughs> so it turns out he's lying about this whole thing, but he does love to dance. He does. So, so now the the girls, Rusty and someone else, lure Ren and Willard over to their table and tell him that dancing is illegal because of some kid who died in a car crash. Now. I had seen this movie before, like, a while ago, and I remembered the general premise being that, like, dancing was illegal in this town. But I kind of thought there was a better conceit than this. That, like, some kid died in the middle of, like, a party vibe that wasn't related to dancing. Well, yeah, because it was a car crash. It was a, it it was, was a car crash. It wasn't like he died dancing. Exactly. And it wasn't the, like he was, like, tearing up the dance floor and then fucking, like, dislocated his exactly, spine and died. Like, yeah. Exactly. And so I was just like... Wow, that's a conceit for this movie. But anyway, uh, Ren and Willard get in Ren's car. They're driving home. Ren's blasting some tunes, you know, like he does. And uh, they're, they're doing this awful bit about Willard not knowing the names of any bands. He's like, you know men at work? What men? Where do they work? Oh, what about the police? I don't know the police, but I've seen them. Who's on first, right? Yeah, you know, like It sucks. It's, it it's sucks. pretty rough. And then the cops pull them over. Yeah, and the cops in this town are weird. That's my that's my first note. They pull over this kid for drive like for driving around for his music being too loud. Yeah. Um. They steal. They steal his tape. They steal this tape he has. Uh. And they just like take it. And then when like Ren's like, hey, that's mine. This fucking dude like hits him with his license and is like, don't fuck with me, boy. Like yeah. Like these cops are on edge. They look very good though. Yeah. I mean, they look very handsome. Like, I don't even mean very handsome. I mean, they look, like, so 80s, dude. They've both got sick yeah, mustaches yeah. and they're huge aviator sunnies and the, like, you know, the iconic, like, brown shirt, 80s American cop uniform. Uh, so, now we're back in Ren's house and Ren's cousins are telling him that, you know, his old shenanigans won't work here. It's not like he's back in Chi-Town. Here the cops will bust him hard if he tries to fuck with them, Yeah, you know? Which I think is nuts as an idea that, like, the cops in Chicago are real easy on you. Yeah, exactly. It's a rural town, so you got to be careful. Exactly. You know those old <laughs> Chicago cops that took it easy on you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know those big city cops can be pretty rough as well. Like. Yeah. Anyway, that's a very quick scene, and we quick move on to Ariel. And she's at home with uh, Shaw. Mm-hmm. She's trying to apologize for the dance scene that she had at uh, the drive-in little, yeah. uh, a couple nights ago. And he's all basically like, hmm, what? That's fine. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed in you, Ariel. They're listening to some, uh, but basically she's just kind of like, I don't know what came over me, it's the music, and she was like, he's like, yeah, whatever, uh, and then she's like, what music are you listening to right now? And he's like, oh, it's Haydn, some chamber music, and she's like, and this isn't, like, this doesn't corrupt the soul, and he's like, no, it's uplifting, and she's like, right, and like, always goes to pr- protest, and then it's just kind of like, well, good night, <laughs> like, yeah. and just kind of fucks off. Yeah, I gotta say though, man, strained parental relationships, 
Highly remakeable. Now we're back at school, and Chuck is there, and he's like, Hey, cool tie, you pansy, to Ren. And Ren's like, I thought on the asshole said the word pansy. And then Chuck's new girlfriend, I guess. And then, and then, it's still Ariel, is it? Ariel's yeah. like, oh, he got you with that one, Chuck. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's she's like, like, dude! Whoa! <laughs> I, I love in a world where, like, like Chuck's her boyfriend, yeah. and she thinks his Ren guy isn't all that hot. Like, all her friends are like, he's so cute. And she's like, I don't buy it. And yeah. then this guy's like, you're a real asshole. And she's like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, I love the honesty of yeah. being like, she's listen, like, I'm on your side. But that dude he got you, man. He got you good. So, uh, cutting from that, now now Ren's trying to get a job at a steel mill, yeah. and we meet the gruff but lovable steel mill man, Andy. He's like, what are you, dumb? Uh, I, I know you're a good boy, really, at heart, and I'm gruff and lovable, so yeah, you got a job. He saw through him real quickly. Yeah. He's like... I know they I know they call you an outsider around here, boy, but I I know you got something good inside. I see the good in you. <laughs> I see the light of the Lord in you, boy. Yeah, and he gives him a job, like straight away. Yeah. And that's nice, I guess. So now it's Ren working at his job and Ariel shows up and he's like, Hey, my boyfriend wants to fight you, I guess. She's like, Hey, Chuck wants to see you. Yeah, and, and he's like, what do I do if I don't show up? And he, uh, she's like, well, everyone knows you're scared. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good incentive, I suppose, yeah, if you're I a guess teen. so. And then, uh, well, I think the bigger incentive comes later when, like, she's bailing and everyone's like, hey, McCormick, like, it's slowing down on your end, hurry up. <laughs> um, she's walking away and he's like, but why did you come? And she's like, I volunteered. And walks away, and he's like, ah, nice. He's like, oh, dang. And then, like, he hops back into work, and the last thing we hear him say off camera is like, you know that girl? Yeah, and then we're like, like, none of us saw that girl. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, what did you... Like, they're obviously in another part of the mill being like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he comes in, like, after, like, 15 seconds of disappearing, and he's like, you know that girl? And they're like, obviously not. What are you talking about? girl? It's nuts. So so now Ren and Will are back at school, and, and and Ren is just like on this fucking gymnastic bar doing all kinds of spins and flips and shit. So so Willard's talking to Ren, and he's like, "Huh, Ariel? Yeah, she's not that wild. She's just trying to convince everyone she's not the, the daughter of the preacher. I think she's a big softy, dude. Children rebelling against their parents. So remarkable. You dude. know it's gonna be up in there." Cut to Ariel hanging out with Chuck in the woods. She's got her pants unzipped. He's shirtless. Something's been going yeah. on. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a little bit sexy. And she's all like, I'm leaving town, Chuck. What are you going to do when I leave town? I'm cut out for more than this little town. And he's like, no, you're not, baby. Stay here and love me. So, yeah, I guess she's cut out for more than the small town. And, and that's good for her, I suppose. And, and he doesn't yeah. think she is. Yeah. And then she's really pissed and just yeah. like bails. But that's not that important because what's happening now is we learn what Chuck wanted with Ren, which we didn't learn before, which is that apparently he wants to play chicken with him on some tractors, and Ren doesn't know how to drive a tractor, and his He's a big city kid, dude, in a small town. Yeah, his new friends are are teaching him how to drive a tractor. But also teaching him, like, right then and there. And I guess maybe it was a surprise, rocking up here sort of thing, and so, like, they had to do it, like, now, but, like, it just... This whole, the whole conceit of, like, why are people in this town so obsessed with not stopping? Like, why is the whole thing about, like, listen. Yeah, dude. If you start driving in a direction. You can't stop. You don't stop for no one. No, there's no way to stop. It's a matter of honor. Yeah, that's true. That's probably what their town is all about. So they, they, (sighs) it's so weird. Like, I don't even know how to really sum this up in any kind of satisfying way. Like, right before the race starts, 
uh, Ren's friends are like, oh, this is the throttle, this is the brake, you just don't, don't brake, he's chicken shit. And then Chuck is like, smonking to weed, and yeah. Ariel's like, I think you should stop smoking weed, because you're about to get in a tractor chicken fight to the death. And he's like, don't worry about it, baby, I know how to smoke the weed. And then, and then he gets in the tractor and rings the tractor, and dude, they start playing tractor chicken. It's so long. It's because tractors are slow, dude. Yeah, like, dude. But like, the, so, so what? What of course starts playing is I need a hero. Yeah, I'm holding on a hero. Like fucking bring it yeah. home. It's great, dude. But but it's it's such so a long, long scene. Yeah, like it literally like it does that thing that like is parodied now in in pop culture of like cut to Chuck, yeah. cut to Ren, cut back to Chuck, cut back to awesome Ren. Hours in it, dude. Yeah, dude. It, they are pr- pretty cutting satire, I would say, <laughs> dude. Uh, does it make you horny, baby? Oh. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so so it cuts back and forth between these two doing their their chicken race on tractors for like a whole like three straight minutes. Yeah, I literally like Ren, Chuck, Ren, Chuck, <laughs> Ren, Chuck, and they're both just like. Arr, they get closer and closer together ultimately Chuck alright this is the fucked up thing Chuck is revealed to be chicken shit right his response to this they're driving so like the two tractors are driving head on into each other Mm. there's a river on one side and a big empty field on the other when Chuck ultimately decides that he's out of the race rather than just turning his tractor off into the field right rather than just turning out of the way so that he's safe the tractor's safe everybody's safe he knows he's lost the race Chuck's response to this is to just jump off the moving tractor down into the lake in such a way that the tractor that he's driving loses control and tumbles down the embankment also into the river. And he's just kind of like, oh, so you've ruined a tractor. You just crashed a fucking tractor into the river. You couldn't have just turned away? I I don't know. I guess that's how they do things in Beaumont. Uh, Here's a little song for me. Drag racing. Now, it's been brought up a couple of <laughs> different times in a couple of different, like, sort of, like, elements. But the, the concept of drag racing, be it land, air, or sea, highly remakeable, dude. I hope the remake has a bit of a Fast and Furious vibe about it. Yeah, dude. We're going to get around to that franchise eventually. Uh, now we cut to Rusty hanging out with Ariel in a malt shop, I suppose. Or maybe it's the drive-in diner from before. It doesn't matter. And, and, and she's relating Ren's schedule to Ariel. And, and she's all like, why don't you get excited about Ren? He's so cute. I mean, the, the important takeaway from this is that Ren has now beaten Chuck in the quintessential manhood test, yeah. the tractor chicken battle. In this town. You know, <clears throat> everyone does that from one time to another. You have a romantic rival for, mm. a, for a young lady's hand. And so you do the tractor chicken battle and ultimately the winner claims the lady. Mm. But it very quickly cuts to Richie. Who the fuck is Richie. This is probably the weirdest scene in the film. Now, I feel like we're missing a scene, right? Because Richie Richie rocks up later and it's like, oh, this is the second time you're in this film. Yeah, dude. But there there has to have been a scene cut from this movie. Because it doesn't make sense. His whole deal does not make sense. So what happens is, Ren's in a classroom for some reason. This guy called Richie walks in and Ren's like, hey, Richie. And Richie's like, shut up, Ren. I've been watching you. I know you're not stupid. And I got a friend who can help you out. And tucks a joint into Ren's pocket. And Ren's like, I got my own sources, man. No, thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. And he's like, just take this joint. 
And then a teacher stormed into the room and is like, you got a joint? And Ren's solution to this, rather than explain the situation, is to run from the teacher, flush the joint down the toilet in front of the teacher, and be like, ah, you got no proof, dude. I mean, like, to be fair, not a bad tactic. Like, like I, I was kind of like, what the hell's going on? And then he was like, you thought I did like a like a real joint? Like, come on, man. I knew, I knew that was fake. And like, what is unveiled is that Richie was working with this teacher to try and nail to Ren. To plant fake weed on Ren. I guess he was either working with the teacher him. or Chuck or both. Like, it's not clear. The fucked up but thing is like... what's the teacher's whole game here? Yeah, dude. We've never seen this teacher or Richie before. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this scene? The next thing that we get happening is Ren's back at home with his uncle, I guess, Wes. And Wes is like, I heard you've been having some trouble at school. I heard there's been some drugs. Look, I'd never try to replace your dad, but... And then Ren's just like, fuck off, old man! You're not my dad! Yeah. And he runs out of the house. He rolls out, gets in his car, and speeds away. And dude, probably the most hype scene in this movie. Now, he speeds over to the steel mill. No one else is around. Mm. Gets out. There's. You better believe that music is playing. Yeah, he's dude. like fucking like smashing a beer as he's driving. It's that smoking never song a cigarette. Like, never, 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 never. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so hype, it's, dude. Yeah. And this is where I have like first thing. Like one of my uh, point of makeability here. Walter Wall tunes. Highly makeable. I have my points against for Footloose, but this like the soundtrack for this film. It's great. Dude. It's pretty fucking. It's tight, extremely dude. good. So we get like this this scene, which like if you even if you haven't seen this movie, you've probably seen this scene because it's it's probably one of like look to to be a real film podcast for a minute, like the the pop cultural influence of this movie. This is probably one of the more parodied scenes from the eighties, like in general going yeah. forwards. Like it, it's Kevin Bacon dancing around this steel mill. He's doing all these weird moves, like his arms up in front of his face, and he takes his shirt off and he does this thing where he's like sashaying it in front of him, and then he does this awesome gymnastic leap, like off a bar, like through the air. He just like he just fucking cuts sick in this fucking yeah. mill for a while. Just does just, like expressing all his like masculine feelings getting all his rage out through dancing dude you know what i say about letting emotions out through dance that's very remakeable yeah and this scene is incredible so right at the end of his big dance scene ariel shows up just out of nowhere i guess she heard he was at the mill or something doesn't really matter why or how she's there and she basically is like hey why aren't you trying to smash? Obviously, I'm hot shit. Oh, God. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. That's basically what she says. Yeah, no, she, 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 she's just like, she comes in and she's me? like, and he's like, uh, someday. And she's like, why not right now? Not like, even that, dude. She's literally like, you don't look at me. You don't talk to me yeah. at school. Well, because well, literally, she, she gets in the car, like, and she's like, uh, why, why don't you try and kiss me? And he's like, someday. And she's like, what's this someday nonsense? And then he's like, I get the feeling you ki- you kiss a lot of people. And uh, I don't want to disappoint or something like that. They run off. They go hang out near a train. Ariel's like, huh, trains. Whenever we used to hear trains, we'd make out like crazy. Or we'd just do this completely insane thing. And then she gets out on the train track and just stands there. And Ren's like, hey, what, what are you... What are you yeah. doing? And Why then, are you just like, standing in front of a train? As this train gets closer and closer, she sticks her arms out and screams and then doesn't move. And then at the very last second, Ren runs out, tackles her away from this train. And here's oh. the thing. Was she just going to get hit by a train? Yeah, man. Was she just like going to die? Was She's... That... I'm not sure if it was like Ren overreacting. Because there's afterwards, there's no comment from her being like, I was going to jump out of the way. It's literally like she was like, oh, sometimes we make out, and sometimes we do this fun thing where we sit in front of a train. And then we're just going to get hit by a train. Uh, Ren's like, let me take you home. And he takes her home. 
and and she gets home, and John Lithgow, uh, Reverend Shaw, is at the top of the stairs. Sure more. Yeah, Shawmore is at the top of the stairs, and and he's like, "You're late," and uh, she's basically like, "I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing drugs, I wasn't having sex, I was just out, and I'm late." And he's like, "Why are you late? Yeah, who you with?" And she's like, "Ren McCormick," and he's like, "Well, fuck him." Yeah, you're not seeing that boy no more. And they share a tense moment, and then she goes to bed. So now we we cut to like Ren is washing cars, which raised a big question for me. Mm. Does he have two jobs? Like, why is he at a car wash? Is that his car that he's washing? Yeah, he's washing his car. Yeah. Right. Okay. It looked to me in this moment like it was just like, he was like, oh, this is my second job I as mean, a car wash attendant. A little extra scratch on the side. Yeah, but, but it's like, he's a high school student and he has two jobs. I yeah. guess he doesn't have two jobs. And it's like straight up daytime. Maybe it's a weekend. I yeah. don't know. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard to say. Well, okay. So the daytime thing, regardless of whether or not this is his job, this raises my next point about things I wanted to talk about, about movies and like your perception of reality. Do you remember like, like, watching movies, like, at any point in your life, whether you're in high school or now, movies about kids in high school, where they seem to just be doing so much stuff, like, during the day. Yeah. Like, the movies, like, imply that, like, high school kids just have so much free time. I know. But, like, when are they doing this shit? Like, when is he out cleaning his car in the middle of the day? When are they dancing in the middle of a field? When are they fucking doing a tractor chicken race? Is it all on the weekend? I guess it must be. Because otherwise they... Also, like, how many fucking scenes do we have at school? Like, in this whole film? Like, two. Yeah. Like, two. These are high school kids. Anyway. So, anyway, they're they're standing at the car wash, and Ren's complaining about how he feels like an outsider in this town. And he's like, I try so hard to fit in, but I got cut from the gymnastics team, and nobody likes me, even though I try to be a good guy. And Willard's like, yeah, maybe we should have a dance. And Ren's like, holy fuck, Willard, let's have a dance. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. He's apparently decided that having a dance in a town that hates dancing is a good solution for people not liking him. Yeah, to to be liked. That won't make you an outsider. No. Of course. Of course. (laughs) So now we get a scene. It is actually pretty good. Yeah, so Reverend Shaw Moore is there and he's uh, talking to like a whole bunch of people essentially. And with this first group, he's talking about how like uh, he was with this like larger congregation and talking to them that and they're like, Reverend Shaw Moore, how do you like live in such a small town? Don't you feel isolated and all that? And he's like, Let me tell you, being out there, I feel close to, to my Lord. I feel my close God, to God. And the people as well. And as he's sort of like telling this story, we get a couple, we get like five environment changes yeah, dude. and casting changes where essentially what's happening is Reverend Shaw Moore saying this same inspirational speech to fucking five different groups in the community. A speech about not dancing. Yeah, essentially he's dude. like, fuck dancing full stop. Dude, he's, he's teleporting around town <laughs> and traveling through time. But for me, his ability to fucking teleport all over a town and command a room wherever he goes mm. while he delivers this speech. Gotta get that MVP on. Ariel decides that whilst her dad's having a meeting about the dance that Ren's trying to organise, that she's going to sneak out, despite the fact that he's literally have a me- having a meeting in the next room. And she gets in a car with Ren and Willard and Rusty, and they're off on their way to a bar across county lines because he's going to show them what they've all been missing, which is a good old-fashioned dance em up yeah. All right. Here's a good game. How old do you think Kevin Norwood Bacon was when they made Norwood. this movie? Mm. Uh, I reckon 23. He's 26, my dude. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Because I was wondering if he was like a teenager when he did Friday the 13th, like a 19-year-old or something like he that. He will have been 22. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they're at the bar. 
And and Ren's like, hey, let's all dance together. Yeah, and, and Rillard's like, dude, I can't dance. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've never been able to dance. This is another one of those movie things that, that fucks me up. Like, I feel like you see this in, like, pop culture quite a bit where a character's like, I can't dance, man. I just can't do it. Like, I don't think I'm a particularly good dancer. Yeah. Kind of all you need to do is just sway back and forth. The cost of admission isn't that high, Exactly. Right? Like, you just kind of, like, like if you just, just, just stand there and it is kind of, like... Yeah. <laughs> if you're standing in the dance floor and you're like, I'm dancing... You yeah, probably you are, are dancing. You know exactly by definition, you're dancing. But anyway, Willard can't dance, and that's fine. But Ariel sure as fuck can because Ariel and Ren are cutting a rug out on the dance floor. They're loving it. Willard and Rusty are fucking sitting aside while Willard just drinks beers. I mean, it's also what we're talking about. There is this dancing cowboy. Uh, who is just tearing it up with yeah, like dude. Ren and Ariel, yeah. like just like like good, very good natured and just all about that dance. This Tom Selleck looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, he's um, crushing it. And what comes on, Jackson? It's Footloose. <laughs> Footloose oh, comes on. God. Round two. Kenny Loggins' Footloose. Here we are. During Footloose, Rusty is overcome with the boogie. She can't sit there and watch Willard drink beers anymore and watch an envious Ren and fucking Ariel dance around. She gotta get out on the floor. So Rusty's out dancing with this aforementioned Tom Selleck-looking cowboy motherfucker. And uh, he's he's getting a little close to Rusty. And Willard is all like, ooh, dang, I don't like that. And he goes over and taps on the shoulder and is like, hey, I came with that girl. And this guy's like, you ain't leaving with her. <laughs> Which is such a bold call. You've got to respect this guy yeah. for that, dude. And then they get into a fight. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, right before that, we get... Yeah, probably the best title <laughs> pitch of the best movie. Title of the film, which is, when's the last time you've seen your dick, partner? Yeah. <laughs> he just gets fucking dead. It's such a strange thing to say to someone. Because, like, this guy's not particularly fat. Like, I didn't look at this guy and be like, oh, that's a fat dancing cowboy. Yeah. But Willard's line is, when's the last time you've seen your dick, partner? But, like, that's what I mean. Like, if, if he's not that fat, then what does yeah. it mean? If it's yeah. like, I'm going to show it to you and then beat the shit out of you. Like... Like, what does that... What does it mean? You're about to get pantsed, maybe? Yeah, maybe it means you're about to get pantsed. And Willard gets knocked the fuck out for it. Yeah, so... The next thing we see is they're in the car home. Willard has a blood nose. They're crossing uh, the Crosby Bridge when they start informing Ren about the Crosby Bridge accident, which he didn't know about, which is where apparently there was a car crash and some kids drove their car into the river and one of them died and the result of this was that all the puritanical laws against dancing and drinking and music came into effect yeah and, and is then ariel is just kind of like it was my brother yeah which <laughs> just kind of drops it and then, like you yeah the whole mood of the car being like Oof. and the mood of the movie because it's kind of like oh this didn't come up before it seems yeah. like salient information uh, now we cut back to the Reverend's house. It's Reverend Shaw. Ariel comes in, and Shaw slaps Ariel. Just straight up slaps her. Ooh. She's like backchatting him, it's hard and to watch. it gets real, uh, real, real heated, and he just like slaps her. And she just like fuck it, just leaves. Yeah, like to her credit, she like, she like like cold stares him down and is like, "No, nah, fuck this," and just walks yeah, off. She nails it. Yeah, she's just like. Uh, wow. And just fucking straight walks out. And then we essentially cut to the church, essentially. Man, this, like, five-minute period in the movie is, like, it's it's good. Challenging, but, like, um, 
Diane Weiss crushes yeah. it here. We cut to uh, Vi Moore sitting in church, and then the Reverend Shaw rocking up to her being like, listen, yes, I fucked up, but also, we're losing our daughter. And then she's like, I mean, I see you chasing her, and I see her running away from you. Yeah, dude. And basically, and I'll be straight up honest with you, Vi has to get an MVP yeah, nominee right here. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. She crushes this she scene. She crushes this scene, dude. And just, like, like telling really it like it honestly, is. Honestly, openly, and caringly, tells like it is, highlights all the flaws in her husband, and then it's just kind of like, I've been a preacher's wife for 20 years. Like, yeah. I was jealous of the relationship you had with our daughter because we've never spoken, really. Yeah, and, and she, like, she's like, you're a great preacher, but your, like, one-to-one interpersonal skills are terrible. Yeah, and it is, like, incredible. She like, just lays out all the problems with this guy. It's so good, dude. It's re- It's great. We cut to Ren trying to recruit people for the dance, and he's in, like, a, I guess, little shop somewhere. And uh, then Chuck's boys come in, and they're like, huh, what, are you going to try and make a dance? And they, like, kidnap him, and they take yeah, him outside. Kinda, like, like, give him a headlock and throw him in, like, this phone booth. And then, yeah, like, dude. the girls rock up, and they're all like, oh, shit, like, you get the fuck off Ren. And then our boy Woody comes out. Now, yeah, I'm not sure dude. we've spoken about Woody to this point. Uh, has he been in the movie? Well, he has. He was the one that was coaching... Basically, Woody was coaching uh, Rand about how to use a tractor. Right. And Will was there parroting him. Yeah. He's like this kind of like quite like quite buff like friend that they have yeah. in this group. Yeah. He just kind of hangs out. He's a really nice guy. Woody comes out, sees <laughs> these dudes hustling on Ren... Turns his baseball just turns hat, it around in Ash Ketchum style. Yeah, literally Ash Ketchum style, and just heads over, and then takes out these three dudes. <laughs> single-handedly, like, just beats the fuck out of them, and grabs them in a headlock, and he's just kind of so like, how you like this, like this, like, you motherfuckers, like, up till, don't fuck with Ren. Don't till, you do it. Up till this point in the movie, I was worried we weren't going to have many MVP noms, and then we got two back-to-back, dude. Back-to-back-to-back. Back. gets one, and then dude, Woody thing. has Woody got has it. Woody has to. Like, he's crazy. Amazing. Comes outside, turns the cap straight into the beatdown. It's so good. So uh, we cut from that scene uh, to a bunch of naked boys in the shower. Yeah, which and Woody in particular. Hey, yes, I hope there's uh, Woody there. I mean, I don't think you'd show that on. There were better ways to film. execute yeah. that joke. No, I'm sorry, listening audience. Yeah. I apologize. Insert whatever you want there. Yeah, there was something funnier there. I just wanted to get out ahead of Jackson and, you know. Okay. Was, was... <laughs> <laughs> competition, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, they're, they're in the shower and Kevin Bacon's very skinny uh, compared to the other boys in the scene. Yeah. He just is. Muscular he's, boys. He's, yeah, exactly. They're both jacked. He's, like, he's a very slim 26-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> How old do you reckon the other actors are? <laughs> I have no idea. But, like, Willard is pretty jacked. Woody's fucking stacked. Yeah. Well, they're rural boys. Um, he's, yeah. he's just a big city kid. He's a Chi-Town boy. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have the muscle. Uh, Ren decides in this scene that if he has to go before the town council about the dance, which apparently he does, <laughs> Willard has to learn how to dance. Yeah. And now we get probably, like, probably the second or third most iconic scene in this movie, which is the, the montage where Willard learns how to dance. To, to let's, let's hear it for the boy. 
Like, it starts with them in the car, they're snapping along to the beat, then, like, Willard's not getting it, so Ren starts, like, high-fiving him to the beat, because he realises, this boy, he needs high-fives to learn. Yeah. And then they're, like, fucking and walking... he takes to it. Yeah, dude, they're walking along, like, he's trying to get him to, like, jive to the beat as they walk along. They're in the fucking, fucking school hallway, trying to do little bobs to the beat. They're, they're running along the football field. It, it's really a cute scene, where he basically just, like, teaches Willard, like, the basic concepts of rhythm that most human beings just kind of understand like intuitively montages man nobody makes montages in film anymore would you agree that it would be disingenuous to the source material to remake this movie and not have well, some montages need to because like the fucking like Kevin Bacon montage dance scene from earlier if that's not it's probably the most iconic remake, thing in the movie if that's not yes. in this remake in some very obvious way they've, they've made a horrible mistake they fucked it up so anyway now it's Ariel and Chuck under the bleachers yeah and... so, so Chuck pulls up behind the bleachers Ariel's just kind of like walking around and happens to like walk in this spot and where this... Chuck's pulled up and we get a very challenging scene. This scene is troubling. So Chuck's all like, hey, I know why you don't call me anymore. It's because you're desperate to screw McCormick. And she's like, hey, fuck you. You're yeah. an idiot. And then he, like... She, try- she tries walking off, essentially. He rocks up behind her and is just, like, calling her all manner of things. She spins around and just, like, throws a punch at him. Yeah, he slaps her slaps back. Her. She falls to the ground. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh, man, that's hard. Yeah. But then, dude... She just does not stop. She dude. gets up, dude. She picks up a random pipe, smacks... Smashes his headlights, his headlights and his windscreen. And windscreen. She's just like, you motherfucker. And then he gets out of the car, like, grabs her again. Yeah, tackles her to the ground. She elbows him and is trying to run away. Yeah. He grabs her back and then, like, hits her again. Yeah. And then she's, like, bleeding and shit. She's with a black eye and he's, like, uh, about done with you anyway. Hops in his car and drives away. And she, dude, but, like, she will not go down. Yeah, he's trying to drive away. She picks up a handful of gravel and just throws it at his car. Yeah. She will not fucking go down. For, for this, like, I know you nominated her earlier. This was where I nominated Ariel for MVP. Dude, but just that indomitable incredible. spirit. Yeah. At, at this point, this is the point where I was like, holy fuck. Ariel is the most interesting character yeah. in this movie. She, she arguably, got, should be the protagonist. She's like, got a dead brother from before the film. She's clearly struggling with that and engaging in some self-destructive behaviours. She's got a father who's really regressive and trying to keep locks on her. And the primary they don't, antagonist. They don't get along that well. He hits her. She goes away. Her ex-boyfriend hits her. She's getting abused in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, she's a fucking interesting, troubled character yeah. with a lot of shit going on. No, that's but true. don't worry, that's about to be undermined, because the next scene we get is Ren talking to Ariel. Like, he rocks up, and she's kind of like, thanks so much for picking me up, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice that she's like, mm. I need help, come grab me. He's there, and she's like, here's this box I made for you. It's a sign of my, like, appreciation. And he's kind of like, oh, that's so nice sort of thing. And she's like, for really sticking it up to my dad. And he's like, no, fuck you. Yeah, that's man. not what this is about. And I was yeah. like, that was really a weird point to be like, I know. fuck that. It was but, really strange. But the nuts thing is, he's like, at this point, she turns away having taken the box with her. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, baby, I was just kidding. Give me that box back. Yeah. Like, man. he literally lies to her, essentially, because he wants that box so <sighs> bad. He wants to know what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, literally, like, yeah, they essentially, like, lean in and they, uh... They smooch. They smooch, and the guitar lick as Ren and Ariel kiss is just next 
It's extremely good. Yeah. Yeah. What I want to throw in here is okay, maybe please. a little game. I play. Oh, yes, yes. I love games, right, dude. Right. Give me that game. So, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you generally, when I'm writing the copy for these sort of um, episodes going up, I generally like, roll through all like the taglines in the film. Uh-huh, sort of uh-huh. And let me tell you, there are some killers. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you all the taglines of this film, but uh-huh. first, I'm going to tell you three different taglines. I want you to pick which one is specifically for Footloose. Okay, okay. So these are three taglines for yep. three different movies. Yep. All real movie taglines. Yes. i got to guess which one is Footloose. Yes. Okay, all right. Give it to me. Number one. All he wanted to do was dance. Okay. I mean, that's, that's right there. Okay. Okay, yep. Number two. Dancing to the heat of their hearts. Okay. That's got to be Dirty Dancing. Proceed. Number three. Give it everything you've got. Okay. I think it's got to be number one. It is number one. Okay. Yes. On the beginning. Was the second one Dirty Dancing? Second one Dirty Dancing. Third one. Stomp the yard. Dude. All right. I fucking got two out of three of those. Yeah. That was pretty hard. I'm surprised about your dance tagline knowledge. But dude. Okay. Let me run you through the fucking rest of these taglines. Please. 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 So. Uh, that was one of our taglines for Footloose. There were actually four of them in 1984. <laughs> I think this is the main one. One kid, one town, one chance. <laughs> is that how you would describe this movie? No. Like, is, that a fair... <laughs> is that a fair description of the events that you, the listening audience, have heard so far? He had so many chances. <laughs> Number two is the one I used for that first um, that first one. Number three, the music is on his side. <laughs> and then the, the final one. And this is all of IMDb. Yeah, Shout of course, out IMDb. Of but these are the four taglines I give you. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try not to laugh through this one. He's a big city kid in a small town. <laughs> Is there more? They said he'd never win. He knew he had to. <laughs> Is that a, t- a tagline or an <laughs> elevator pitch? <laughs> That's but also, at no, at no point did anyone say he'd never win. Yeah, and at no point was he like, I got it. <laughs> what a... St- like, like, these taglines... <sighs> They create these stakes which are just not in the yeah, film. Yeah, what a strange series of decisions yeah. <laughs> made by the producers that wrote those taglines. <laughs> so, now we're back with Shaw and Vi, uh, more that is, in bed. And, and and Shaw's all like, dancing makes people sexually irresponsible. And Vi's like, come on, Shaw, we yeah. used to fuck all the time and yeah. we never danced. Basically, like, come on, like, we used to look at, like, we used to just look at one another and feel something. Like, don't you remember yeah. that? And he's like, ah, Ah, come on. And like, she is again compelling. Yeah. We move on. We're back at school. The kids are campaigning. They're trying to be like, come down to the town hall meeting. Ren's going to get us all to dance. Ren's really nervous. Th- at this point, I've noted like, when did the switch flip such that he became the town hero? 
Yeah. Because, like, literally, the lo- like the first time we see him mentioning that he wants to have a dance, he's like, I'm such an outsider. Everybody hates me in this town. And this town's so different from my home. I don't feel at home here. I don't understand anything. Hey, why don't we have a dance? Next time we really get a discussion of it, everyone's like, oh, I love that red well, Here's kid. the thing. In the scene where he's having the dance, um, Ariel pops out of nowhere and was like, I was watching you dance. Yep. What if the rest of the town was also watching? Okay, I love this. So <laughs> everyone has seen him dance. And yeah, like, dude. she was in when they came out and was like, oh, hey, what's going on? And like, they, they went and hung out. But yeah, what dude. if the rest of the town was like, do you feel that? That's dancing. They all drove down and had a look and they just saw Kevin Bacon flipping around the place and cutting sick moves. And they were like, this is a town hero. This man could be a town hero. This is my new headcanon. Thank you. Yeah, okay, good. Um, Fantastic. So she hands him a Bible with a bunch of chapters bookmarked, and he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, where'd you learn all this stuff? And as it turns out, no surprise, the Bible is full of shit about dancing. Yeah, you'd never believe it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff about dancing for worship in that Bible. It's... Not that surprising, really. I'm just going to throw it out there. There's a lot of things in that. Like, yeah. you know, it's a big book. Like, there's a lot of things mentioned. <laughs> Look, you can probably find anything in there, yeah. man. Someone wrote about the internet. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else yeah, yeah. talking about marriage law. Yeah. In Revelations, they talk about the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a pretty big revelation. Yeah, um, exactly. So, next thing we get is some kids throw a brick through the window of Ren's family home. Yeah, again, kind of terrifying. Yeah, kind of a fucked up thing to do. Because they, like, spoiler alert, they throw the brick into the bedroom of two little girls. Yeah. And the little girls wake up screaming. Wes, Ren's uncle, goes in and is like, oh, fuck, someone almost killed one yeah. of my daughters and with a brick. Like, this is your fault, Ren. But, but also I feel like being, fault. Yeah, I feel like being like, this is your fault, you fuck. Like, I was like, all right, Wes, you've been a piece of shit all film and you're still a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and we find out that Ren's mum lost her job yeah. because the guy who employed her was like, yeah, your son's such a fucking yeah, layabout. You should be at home taking care of your son, you, yeah, you idiot. You bitch. Yeah. yeah it's um, pretty rough. So, so back with Ren and his family, Ren's like, you know, kind of having a tough time and his mum comes out and is like, what's wrong, Ren? I know something's up with you. And he's all like, I don't understand this town. It's like something's choking everybody, but they don't know they're choking. Mm. And uh, he, he goes into this whole thing about like how his dad left him and how he, he felt shitty about that and how he tried really hard to make his dad stay. And then ultimately his dad left and he realized that nothing he did mattered to make his dad stay. But like if he could just get this dance to happen. If he could just get people to dance. Yeah, that'd be, all be something. That'd be something for him. I also have written down here, dude. We're at hour 14 in the film. This mm-hmm. is the first conversation between Ren and his mum. Yeah, he's wow. He's one family member that he's actually, like, close to. Man. And it's an hour 14 before she even really talks to him. Yeah, that's true, man. It's nuts. That's- it feels like there's another 40 minutes of this film they just cut. Like, there are a couple of things in here where it's like, whoa, these people rock up and they have important things to say. And we just never, like, see them. Until, like, hours later. Like fucking Ariel's mum, Vi. And Mm. like Ren's mum as well. Like, mums need more time in this film, is all I'm saying. What I want to know at this point... I also wrote down a mark about the time. We're about an hour and 15 into this movie at this point. How much of the marketing of this movie was dance-related? Yeah. Because I feel like an hour and 15 into this hour and 45-minute movie, like, we've seen... Maybe, like, three dance scenes, maybe four. Yeah. And, like, we've seen a lot of interpersonal drama. 
I and I'm like what I mentioned sort of earlier, like how much like surprisingly deep character, like like I, I literally said to you, I was like, wow, after that Kevin Bacon dance scene, after the warehouse scene, yeah, yeah. it kind of became a character drama. Like, yeah, that's, it, like it, it really totally does, and that, that's why I want to know, like, how much of this movie marketing was dance related? Well, let me tell you, Ben. I'm just ready to tag out of this film. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I guess, would say a lot. I, I guess I know the now. The music is on his side, dude. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. <laughs> what a strange thing to say. I know. Say. I know. Like, I, mean, I know. Uh, we can, anyway. <laughs> so, now it's the town council meeting. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ren's about to get up and have a say. The town council meeting has finished its business for the day. The price of a pet license has gone from three fifty to four fifty. Nice. And they're about to accept new business. And the rowdy teens are like, "Ooh, ooh!" They're all getting very excited. And the town councilor is like, eh, "We're not going to have any funny business here at this meeting. This yeah, is an official kids, town meeting." Ariel flashes Ren a shirt that says, "Dance your ass off." Which is, you Which know... Which we also never see again. Yeah, n- nice. That's kind of a weird shot, but anyway. So Ren gets up and he's like, I move on behalf of me and most of the high school class that the law against dancing be abolished. And John Lithgow, uh, Reverend Moore, gets up and is like, you know, maybe, but also... Fuck that. <laughs> you're all going to be morally bankrupt if you're allowed to dance. Yeah. And uh, and everyone's like, well, I guess we're going to vote. Everyone starts yelling. The community starts going to shout him down. This woman stands up and is like, I just think it's ridiculous. Vi just like speaks up and is like, sit down, Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> she just fucking smokes, see, smokes yeah. Eleanor. Just sit down, and Eleanor. And so Ren takes his chance not only to speak, but to walk up to the front. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> and... Just flex on the town council. Just just like fucking like deliver like the sermon. Like he's got a Bible up there. He's pulling out passages which talk about dancing. The whole Lord of the Dancing you brought up earlier. He's talking about it. He gets the smuggest look on his face. (laughs) And he's all like, King David did dancing. Why did he dance? To worship. Dancing before the Lord. Yeah. For worshipping dance. It's in your magic book, you fucks. Yeah. Hey, you know all you old men who love this book? It says the dancing is good. Yeah. That's basically how you can sum up dude, his speech. not only is the music, but the Bible is on his side, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, it's incredible. Jesus is on his side. Yeah. That should have been the tagline for this film. Jesus is on his side. No, I don't dude. think that would sell very well, dude. Like, footloose. Jesus is on his side. Jesus. I'm not, so, I'm yeah. not watching that film. Rowdy teens showing up their stuffy old dads. Highly remakeable. Yeah, dude. You know it's going to be in the mix, dude. 100%, dude. So, similarly, during this speech, when, when Ren wraps up, he's like... There's a time for everything in God's earth. A time for mourning, a time for blah, 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 blah. And there is a time to dance. Then he sums up by saying, this This is our time time to dance. dance. Which is the best title, Fitch. I mean, undeniably. This is our time to dance. It's right there. He loses anyway. They they, they lost. The votes were against him. And Andy, our seal mill boss, we're straight into the scene where um, Ren's working. He's kind of like, ah, it's all over. Never mind. And this steel mill boss is like, come on, mate. There's always another way. Points out this uh, basically... um, it's just like on the opposite side of the tracks like the city limits change so like the laws that mean that you can't dance don't apply and he points out that he's like you know over there that town hall it's not illegal to dance there it's like wow that's convenient (laughs) if the fire trucks can't get there then the long arm the law can't either which dude fucks me up because imagine like the idea that there's a fire there and the fire trucks are just like 
It's outside our jurisdiction. We can't go Listen, over there. I wish I could help. Yeah. But believe me, I wish I could. But our hoses don't reach that far. If this truck crosses the railroad track, yeah. it'll explode. It's, it's like crossing the Rubicon. I don't want to invade that other, that other town. Like, exactly. Now, we duck back into a scene where Ariel goes and confronts Reverend uh, Shaw Moore as is, he is... This is a good scene. He's, uh, he's, practicing, he, he's practicing his sermon. It's very fine. all high and mighty. Yeah. Um, and then Ariel comes in being like, I used to get real kicks of you doing that, but I guess I grew up. And he's like, what the fuck do you want, Ariel? And she, like, Dude. just, like, comes in. She's yelling a whole bunch of shit, being like, you're wrong about this and that and the other. Let and then the to really sell her, Let the kids dance. And then to sell her point, she's like... I'm not a virgin. Oh, dude. What do you think about that, Dad? Yeah. Which is like, like, listen, it's a trigger you can only pull once, the, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. It's the ultimate power play. You literally only get that reveal once. And he's de- she's decided to blow that particular bomb. And I mean, here. it works because he's like, don't you dare talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Not in here. And then she's like, I'm in a church. I'm talking to the preacher. Forgive me, Father. I'm confessing like, the fact that I've porked before. Yeah. Oh. It's powerful stuff. And then he grabs her and, like, shakes her around, and it's like, he's kind of an abusive dad. The, well, the church assistant runs in. Yeah, and, and it's like, you're needed at the school. Yeah. You've got to go there straight away. Real quick, though, my, uh, just as a quick point, he's such a fucking hypocrite. Like, as we've said, he, he rushes... Basically, he rushes over to the school and sees the fucking yep. nerd... The nerd husband and wife that can do the bow tie and Eleanor that are, like, fucking burning these... They're basically burning books because yeah, they're dude. like, hey, we're just going to burn ourselves. These are corrupting children. We're burning these books. And he's like, you idiots. Stop judging people. Go home and sit in judgment on yourselves. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. go How home. How can you burn these books? It's not, it's not actually made clear what books they're burning or why. I want to make this abundantly clear. I am anti-book burning. Yeah. Just for sure. No yeah. doubt. 100%. Anti-burning books of any description. His argument against burning books is as follows. What are you going to do when you finish burning all these books? What are you going to do then? Just go home, guys. His well, whole think, thing is he's like, when you finish burning the books, what's next? I what mean, are you going to do? Once you burn all the books, you start burning people, dude. Exactly. I, 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 think, I think it's pretty clear logic. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, whatever his logic is. His, his argument against burning books is like, yeah. soon you'll be out of books to burn. What are you going to do then, huh? Ren has a final try at convincing Shaw. He goes to the house. We don't actually see what like discussion they have. It seems like he... It happens off camera. It looks like he sat down and been like, tell me about your dead son. And like, it looked like he had like photos and shit. Like, of his dad, I think it was. Right. It was something about like his own dad. I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Like, there was some it's bonding. Like they decided to have a nice scene between Shaw and Ren, but like not show us. Yeah, and so, Ren's sort of like, listen, I get where you're coming from with your side now. So like, thank you for listening. And I, I understand it. Goodbye. And then like, Reverend Shaw was like, Thank you for, well, thank you. Yeah, man. So at this point, like, now we get a scene between, like, Shaw and his daughter where he's all like, that was your friend Ren. He was asking me if he could take you to the ball. Uh, I'm conflicted. And she's like, I know it's hard for you, Dad, but I love you. And he's like, yeah, that's all great. And at this point, like, now we get a cut to, like, his congregation where he's talking to his flock. And and, and my whole thing is, like, why does Shaw get a pass here? Like, in this movie. Like, yeah. he, he gets to look like a good guy because, ultimately, like, the takeaway from his, his scene with his flock here is where he's like, I've made some mistakes, all right? You know, I was, like, an overprotective parent. Yeah. and I I've... want to be everyone's dad, and you, you got to let him go. And, you know, I understand that the kids are all going to go have a dance. Just pray with me that they're safe. 
Yeah. And, and, and like the, the upshot of the scene is that like he's a good guy because rather than endorsing the dance and fully taking responsibility for his bad decisions, he's ultimately like, well, let's just not actively try to fuck up their dance. Yeah. He doesn't endorse it. He's not like, this is a good thing for them to be doing. He's just kind of like, what about if instead of actively ruining it, we just all pray that they don't die? Yeah. Which is, and he gets a pass for that ultimately. But also, also, separate to that, the weirdness of this scene happening in a church, because everyone has to be all reserved. And essentially yeah. you have your protagonists and like their whole team ultimately winning out for what they want to do, but they're unable they're to properly like- react. So they're just kind of like suddenly be like, yes! In yes! And like, they're like holding it in and it's, Really bizarre to look at because the, the music starts getting yeah, like dude, triumphant and, and, and shit. You, you like expect a scene where they all run out of the church and they're like, "Yeah!" in front of the church, but it doesn't happen. No, they're in like, church, dude. The next thing you see, they all get they on sing motorbikes. They dance, dude. That's the yeah, next scene. Him. That's that's right. They're, they're on the motorbikes. They go over to the town hall where I guess they're having the dance, and we get another montage where they fix up this town hall. Yeah. I guess now it's the night of the dance. Very quickly. Like, the end of this movie, I guess, comes together pretty fucking yeah. fast. We can probably wrap through this real quick. So, Three, um, two, one. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, so a- Ariel's there getting ready for the dance, and Vi comes in and is like, you're so beautiful. Wouldn't be much of a dance if you didn't have a corsage. And she's like, oh, mom, you didn't have to get me a corsage. And she's like, I didn't. Yeah. And but the- don't talk to your father about that. Implication being her dad bought it for her and is actually a good guy, regardless but- of the fact that he, like, fucking like slap the shit out of her but really he up. also won't talk to her about it yeah so he's like oh I'll buy you a flower for the dance don't you fucking mention yeah, it don't me. you ever and we get Ren in that iconic red suit yeah we get a quite painful scene between Ren and Ariel like I, I think it's been pretty good for the most part here is just kind of him being like you're beautiful and her being like hey, babe you're beautiful what babe. And, and him being like you, you are beautiful and her being like oh stop it and then like there's some time fooling with like the car door thing it's kind of fun but it's relatively pointless the, the main point here is that like they both like each other very much and it's very and cute they get in the car that and they drive romance. to prom yeah we see <clears throat> at the hallway set up they set up the dance but no one knows how to dance yeah dude and we get this horrifying painful scene which just took me back to all my like year six yes, and seven I, socials I was gonna ask you about this of just like everyone standing around the circle like standing around like the dance floor in a circle just looking at it and no one dancing you've hurt my heart Jackson by saying that this was your experience of your, your six and seven dances because you went to a co-ed high school I yeah. went to an all boys school yeah this was my experience of Probably through eight and nine dances, gotta say. Were there girls there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, oh. inter-school dances with the fucking neighbouring right. all-girls school. Yeah. But as you imagine, like, a group of, like, all-boys school and a group of all-girls school, so everyone was just kind of, like... Uh, a little bit awkward, you know? Yeah. It was... It, yeah, it was tough, man. Shaw and uh, Vi show up, just to check on things, you know? Like, they, they show up out, outside the dance hall, they can hear yeah. the music, and they're like, oh, gee, I hope the kids are being okay, and dude... Andy from the steel mill is just fucking there. Yeah. He's just there in his car, dude. And he's like, you're the last two I expected to see here, but I guess nice. I'm here. Yeah. Also looking at these kids dance. And they're like, all right, Andy, whatever you say. And he's like, goodbye. Yes, yeah, he's literally like, anyway. And he just drives, he just drives away into yeah. the darkness. For me, dude, 
I don't know if we've MVP'd him already. For this scene, he's got to get it. Because yeah. this scene is just so strange. It is very good. It looks like he's standing outside his car. Yeah. He's obviously not, but it looks like he's leaning against his car, and then his car just moves away. So Andy's face just, like, slides out of frame? Like, it, it's so strange. It's like It's worth watching this scene just to see what we mean by this. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's perplexing. So, Willard and Rusty rock up on Willard's bike. And you better believe Chuck and his boys rock up as oh, well. Oh, yeah. All five of them. Yep, they all, five of them, that's right. And, they and all... literally, like, like that boy from earlier that tried to, like, bust uh, Ren with like, the fake weed. Richie's there as well. Because mm-hmm. we're meant to know who Richie is. Apparently. Anyway. So, like, they all start hassling him. They're like, oh, we want to talk to your man, Ren. And, 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 and Willard's like, come on, Chuck, no fights tonight. There weren't meant to be fights. I promised Rusty there'd be no fights. And they're like, yeah, all right, no fights. So, like, Rusty and Willard start walking inside. These five guys all ambush Willard. And they're beating him up. And he's like, Rusty, what do I do? And she's like, kick their ass, Willard! And she's like, kill the son of a bitch. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, for my, for my money here, Willard is an unstoppable fighting machine. Dude, just, I have... Willard is a killing machine. Just That's looking my note. for an excuse yeah. to get off the leash, dude. Because he just starts... He's like, I'm off the hook, boys! And just he starts does. fighting he's, them. He starts wailing in, and then it's like, oh, like he's not going to like be able to beat all five. And then fucking yeah, Ren dude. walks out, sees Chuck, yeah. and then he's just kind of like, ah, really easy when it's five on one. Jumps and fucking flying dude, kicks he, Chuck in the face. He does this awesome jump off the banister. I mean, and that's just the beginning of this whole fight scene where Ren evidently has trained like under like some Shaolin monks or something, yeah, and dude. is just like kicking the dude, shit out of two these dudes. versus five. Willard and Ren just beat ass on these dudes. Like yeah. Ren jumps down the stairs, he kicks Chuck. I, I, I honestly think like Ren fights Chuck and Willard fights the other four guys. Well, he's a killing machine. Dude. He's like an unstoppable yeah. fight machine. Uh, fucking Chuck picks up a big pole and he's like, you're going to dance now, McCormick, and tries to get him with the fucking pole. Ren dodges the pole and just uses the fucking Karate Kid crane kick. Like, fucking yeah. hot, sweet crane kick right into fucking Chuck's face, punches him right in the mouth, and then that's it. So now we go back in the dance hall... And this is the victory lap of the movie. Yeah, it's he's like, well, that's all the problems dealt with. We've turned up all the loose ends. Ren yells out. Now watch us dance. Everybody dance! And then Footloose comes on. That's right. Round three, motherfuckers. Yeah. It's Footloose again. That get, Kenny Loggins original. You get some more of these feet shots just for anyone at home that hadn't finished jacking off yet. Yeah, dude. Uh, so that, yeah. That's up in the mix. So, the end of this film is a montage of kids dancing and aerial screaming. Yeah, dude. Willard bursts into the room. Like, he does the thing where he's He's like, Rusty, just watch. And then he just starts to kind of like flail around like vaguely on the beat for a few minutes. And then he stops and everyone looks at him. And he just busts this John Travolta Saturday Night Fever pose. And it like kills. he just does this it like kills. Everyone boom. loves it. Everyone's like, whoa! Then we cut to fucking Ren. Ren does this thing where like he does this weird spin around and is like tugging at his collar. And he has this weird look on his face. He's like, everyone wants to fuck me. I'm Ren. And then everyone's like, yeah, Ren! They're like literally apparently like yelling about the fact that he did a weird spin move like that's what they're stoked about yeah, I guess so. then my next point why are these kids all such amazing dancers they're all very good they grew up in a town where dancing's illegal why are they all incredible at dancing especially 
The fucking kid with the liquid joints, dude. Oh, dude. You know the yes, kid I'm talking about? I know who you're talking so about. They do this circle dance bit. Because I was like, is it going to be like a robot thing because it's the 80s? But this dude, yeah, liquid joints is the perfect way of describing him. Yeah, man. This thing has fucked me up for a while as well. I must, I must admit. They they all get in a big triangle line and they're doing like a two-step like cha-cha-cha-cha. Yeah. Like over to the front of the screen. They kick some balloons. As the music's like, everybody come for loose. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. It's credits. Yeah, we've the, done the glitter's falling, and that is the end of the film. So, as always, this has been Still Interested. I'm Ben McAllister. You can get me on Twitter at MrBTMcAllister. Yeah, I'm Jackson Yusin, and you can get me at, at Jackson underscore Yusin. And we are at SI Curio Show. Or at Curio Network. Yeah, you can follow us there as well. Uh, or CurioNetwork.com. You know all the social shit. Yeah, it's all, it's all up there. Yeah, just yell at us on the internet if yeah, you like please. what we do. And if you've got an idea for a thing we can reboot... Uh, <laughs> we can't reboot it. Yeah, you've got an idea. Listen, listen, here's the thing. If we start, if you get these ideas in early, and then we finally get to the point in which we're making the films ourselves, that's like, right. Maybe we come back, and maybe we throw you like a producer credit. I mean, that is the ultimate end game of yeah. this, right? Is, is that we ultimately end up in the movie business? That's why we started doing this. And then, who's laughing? You are all the way to the bank. You and us. We'll give you some money. It's a win-win. Not most of it. You're laughing like, all the way to the bank. We're laughing more all the way to the bank. Yeah. Because really, we're the ones rebooting. Exactly. Look, always have the idea. All you got to do is suggest a good film. You're still going to get some money. You know, like you don't get greedy. Yeah. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah. You actually, actually, I don't even want your idea. Yeah. Exactly. That attitude. Fuck off. Still tweet them at us, but you're not going to get any money. Yeah. That's right. You're cut. Yeah. Exactly. You're out, Twitter fans. Should we do a little post movie roundup? Yeah, let's do a post-movie roundup. Let me read off the MVPs that I have. The first MVP I have is the dude in the diner scene who rings that bell and flips oh, that burger dude, I, so hard dude. in time with the music, man. Yeah. I just love that boy. And 100%. he gets an MVP for me. That's going to be hard to go past. The next MVP I have, Shaw Moore for his teleportation abilities. He's flipping around town. He's traveling through time. He's delivering the same speech everywhere he goes. <laughs> next MVP I have is Vi. Like, if we're going to be serious... She probably deserves it. Either her or Ariel also maybe deserves yeah, it. She yeah, was the other she... one for, for being good. Back on the goof train, Woody. <laughs> Woody with that hat reversal. Woody's going to be hard, right? Like hard to come by. And then I think the last one I had was Andy. Still, nice. still Sweet no Andy. Andy. Sweet Andy. Yeah, so I didn't have Shaw and I didn't have Andy either. But for okay. me, it doesn't matter. This conversation is irrelevant. It has to be Vi. It has yeah, to be. Yeah, alright, you're, you're right. Listen, it's, I spent a lot of this film being like, is it Ariel? Or, like, most interesting character? Or is it Vi? Had an incredible scene. And then Vi kept putting up scene after scene after scene. And I was like, it just has to be her. Yeah, she's great. She definitely... Yeah, I agree with you. You know, why would we even entertain anyone yeah. else? It's gotta be Vi. Vi's MVP. She's done it. You did it, baby. Okay, dude, this is a good trivia for you. In a 2013 interview with Howard Stern... Kevin Bacon admitted that he has actually tipped DJs at weddings not to play Footloose. He stated that people expect him to dance with the song as he did in the movie. In truth, while he did do some of the dancing in the film, there was also a dancing double for him. Of course, dude. Yeah, dude. Because there there was so much shadow in all those dances. Like, I feel like if you have an actor that can crush it that hard, you make sure that's well lit, you know? The dancing feet in the opening credit sequence contained many of the cast and crew. Over 150 different pairs of feet were shot. 
the dancer with the gold shoes is actually Kenny Loggins. Wow, dude. I remember those gold shoes. Kenny Loggins makes a cameo in this movie. Wow. Kevin Bacon had a hairstyle based on Rocker Sting's spiky hairdo as he was a big fan of the police at the time. Wow. So Kevin Bacon's hairdo? Yep. So and Kev- the police are fucking mentioned in the yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. So Kevin Bacon is cosplaying as fucking... Okay. Jesus. Okay, hang on. Who are the three... So the three mu- music acts that are mentioned... It's Men at Work. David Bowie. And the police. And the police. Yeah, wow. They're all- I think he has like, the perfect blend of all three. That's true. He really looks like all of them. The scenes where Chris Pan's character had to learn how to dance were added to the script because Pan really could not dance. That's Willard. They literally taught him how to dance. Dude, that has to change your perspective on the montage where they teach Willard how to dance. Because they were literally teaching Chris Penn how to dance. I think it gives it a just justification why they kept it in the film. Because it was such a, such an endeavour for them. I do dude, think watching dude, it back... Chris Penn could not dance, so they had to teach him in terms of what he already knew. Wrestling. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> that, what? That's an actor. Just is that character. That's oh. amazing. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Okay. Kevin Bacon was offered the leading role for the Stephen King movie Christine at the same time that he was asked to do a screen test for Footloose. The producers had to convince Bacon that turning down a sure role in Christine for a part he might not even get in Footloose was the wiser choice. The producers told him that if he got the part for Footloose, they would make him a star. 30 seconds into the screen test, Bacon was offered the part. What? what? That's insane. 30 seconds in. Okay, what is it? No, what is that? What is that face about? With the principal's knowledge, 24-year-old Kevin Bacon attended the Pace on Utah High School as Ren McCormick, a transfer student from Philadelphia, in order to get into the role. With his narrow tie and new wave haircut, he was treated pretty much like in the film. Bacon gratefully left the location left with the location scouts on the afternoon of the first day. He's literally like, I gotta get in the headspace of a high school student and went to high school. Like, went back to high school at 24 in the guise of a student named Ren McCormick. <laughs> How was that something that they thought was a good idea? And he left on the first on day? On the first day. In the DVD commentary, Kevin Bacon revealed that the co-ed extras in the locker room scene were paid $20 to appear nude. <laughs> Oh, no. Yep. This is fucked up. Okay, good. In the liner notes for the re-released Footloose soundtrack, 1999, there is a brief introduction by Kenny Loggins, which mentions that the script for the film was loosely based on actual events, which transpired in the young life of his long-term friend, Dean Pitchford. Yeah, I, I, I saw this when I was, like, like just looking at the taglines and that sort of thing, that the, the film is loosely based on, like, the story of this town of, like, Elmont or something like that. Elmore City. Yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. How nuts is that? Loosely based on events that took place in the small, rural, and extremely religious farming town of Elmore City, Oklahoma in 1978. Dancing had been banned for nearly 90 years until a group of high school teenagers challenged it. Whoa, what? dude. The fact that this fucking movie is based on real shit makes it so much better. Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe were both slated to play the lead. 
The casting directors. Times. The casting directors were impressed with Cruz because of the famous underwear dance sequence in Risky Business, of 1983. Course. But he was unavailable for the part because he was filming all the right moves. Low auditioned three times and had dancing ability and the natural, the neutral teen look that director Herbert Ross wanted. But he pulled his knee and the injury prevented him from taking the part. <laughs> After watching Diner 1982, Ross had to convince the producers to go with Kevin. <laughs> John Travolta was offered the role of Ren McCormick, but turned it down. <laughs> How old we have been at this point? Pretty. I mean, I guess it's only a few years after Greece, right? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's like eight, eight years. years. <laughs> Jesus. Like eight years will do that to you, you know? <laughs> like... Michael Cimino was originally hired as director. He was fired when he asked for a $250,000 advance for rewriting the entire screenplay. <laughs> 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 He was like, read the script, was like, alright, give me a quarter mil and I'll rewrite the whole fucking thing. And they'll let you out. Alright, I guess it's time for some remakeability ratings here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. alright. What do you want to give it? Listen, okay, here's my thing about this film. I think it was like, I I was surprised about how much I enjoyed it. Having said that, 2017, do I think we're looking for a remake of Footloose? to exist now and that sort of thing. I don't know. I think there's some cool bits in it. I think there are better properties. As such, I'm going to give it 85 of 150 pairs of dancing feet from the the montage of the film. Wow, I really pulled that one out at the end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty... That's a very specific rating. Yeah. 85 out of 150. All right, no, here, here's mine. I agree. I think there's... A, like, we actually hit on a lot of points of remakeability in this movie. I think it's quite remakeable. I think sure. there's I think there's traction for remaking this movie, but I think there, there have been better ones, which is why I'm going to give it two out of three of the superior actors that could have been cast in this role. <laughs> <laughs> Being, of course, Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, and the inimitable John Travolta as a remakeability rating. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Alternance, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>